this is Candace Pringle, lead pastor of FE Church, and this is our podcast. Welcome. If, if it's your first time here and you don't know who I am, I'm Pastor Candace. I'm so glad you're here with us today. Maybe somebody dragged you along to the chili cook-off, the third annual, very competitive chili cook-off today. So glad you could be here to enjoy that with us. It's going to be so much fun later. But first, we have the second week of this series. Now, we started off this series last week. Uh, I told you I, I kind of hate the name. Did I tell you that last week? I didn't want to call it the locust, like a bug. And I didn't want, like, can you see the little flying? Oh, they're not flying today. But the, the bugs buzzing around, I didn't want to call it that. But it's it really felt like God kept bringing me back to that idea with this series. He, he wants to communicate to us throughout this that we are not living in the world's economy where the enemy wants to steal and kill and destroy from us, right? We get to live in his economy. I should have heard an amen with that. We get to live in his economy. Praise God. Hallelujah, because it's wild out there, right? So that's what this series is about. Today, I have a surprise. We have a special guest speaker with us today. <laughs> yeah. Pastor Jacob Curlin has been such good friends with Aaron and I for such a long time. He and Aaron actually met uh, playing on a worship team at a youth camp many, many moons ago. And uh, so there, our friendship has always been based on music and guitars and Jesus, most importantly. And uh, lately, it's, it's been so much about ministry. You know, you need good friends in ministry that are outside of your context to encourage along the way. And uh, it's Pastor Appreciation Month, so I just want to appreciate him this morning and, and thank him so much for coming. Would you all help me do that and to welcome Pastor Jacob the Fury Curlin. Uh, thank you, Freedom Valley. What an honor it is to be here today. I have to say, there is joy in the house of the Lord when there is chili involved. So I am excited. I feel, I, I walked in this morning and I'm like, what is that amazing aroma? It was that woman's chili. And I knew it. I knew it. I just want to thank Pastor Candice for the opportunity. Man, it is Pastor Appreciation Sunday. Can we show her some love today? How much you appreciate her? She loves your church. And let me tell you, I, I really just love Freedom Valley so much. I love this church. I really th feel like God has a special anointing over each and every one of you. And I feel like God really wants to bless you in this season. Do you feel that? Do you feel like God is moving in this church? When I started to prepare this sermon, uh, when uh, Pastor Candace had asked me to uh, preach, I started to prepare this, and I just felt this overwhelming love and care for this church. And that's not me, because I am a cynical jerk. So I thought, this has got to be the Holy Spirit and his love and care for you. 
Honestly, uh, I, 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 obviously I'm joking about being a cynical jerk. I'm just cynical. But I, I, I really believe that God wants to bless you in this season. Let's open up our hearts. Let's prepare ourselves for what God wants to speak to us. I just want to open us up with some prayer. So, God, we thank you that you are a God who blesses us, that you are a God who sees us. You are Adonai, Adonai Elroy, the God who sees and knows us and loves us. So we thank you and we praise you. In your name we pray. Amen. So today's sermon, like it was uh, put on the back, this looks awesome. I, I like the bug theme. I'm, I'm digging that. It's where is your treasure? Has anybody here ever gone on a treasure hunt? Like you've went out and like either had a map or had maybe a metal detector, went through to, to the beach or through the woods. Has anyone ever done that before in their entire life? All right, a couple of you have done that before. Have you found anything? Anything substantial? Okay, some of you have, some of you haven't. I've always dreamed, ever since I watched The Goonies in the 80s, dreamed of finding a buried treasure. So my brothers and I, we would go out and we would just try and find treasure. But we were a little bit, there's, uh, if you don't know me, if you haven't heard me, I've spoken here before, but um, I have eight brothers and sisters, so there's nine of us. All right. And so and and five of us are boys. All right. And we were not just uh, normal average boys. We were Irish, rambunctious, tenacious, pugnacious boys that caused a lot of trouble in our neighborhood. So we were a little bit nefarious in our neighborhood. So people always had eyes on us. So if we wanted to really dig up treasure, the only place we could go is to our backyard. Now, we had this tiny backyard, but we were like, okay, we're going to go out and we're going to find our own buried treasure. So we would dig up these little holes and all we would find is a bunch of garbage. So one day we decided, my one brother and I, we said, we're going to dig until we get a treasure. We're going to dig as much as we can until we get to our own treasure. And we ended up digging an eight-foot hole in our backyard. So let me paint a picture for you real quick so you understand. My parents owned a small city house in Syracuse, New York, and a 400 square foot of land, okay? That is tiny. That is 0.00918274 acres. I looked it up. Eight feet was about three-fourths of our entire backyard. So my mom, she comes out and she's screaming, what are you doing? And we're like, duh, isn't it obvious? We're digging a hole, like, come on, mom. And so no wonder, by the grace of God, that we didn't hit a gas line or a sewer pipe, um, but the grass did not grow there for three years afterwards, by the way. <laughs> we were already a blight on the... We were that family, by the way. We were a blight on the block, 11 of us squeezing into a three-bedroom, one-bathroom home, and uh, we compounded the problem with our treasure pit, we never found buried treasure. We never did. But we really 
we got really, really good at filling holes back up before dad got home. So that was, that was the one benefit we got from it. But when the topic of treasure is brought up, we can't help but think of money, right? And especially when we're in church, money never seems like an uplifting topic. It's not something that we really want to talk about. But I want to change your mind today. I have no skin in the game. I'm a guest speaker, so I can say whatever I want. And you can get mad at me all you want, and that's fine. Pastor Candace will pick up the pieces after I go, so we're good. But I really want you to walk away with a better understanding of the Word of God and maybe help you get to a new realignment of thinking. God really wants to bless you. He really does. So let's dig in together. I'd love for you to turn in your Bibles to Luke 12. And I think we can admit to ourselves that we're all treasure hunters in some way, shape, or form. And if we take a closer look at this passage, we're really going to be filling the dirt back in. Don't miss this. Filling the dirt back into some deep, empty treasure pits that many of us have been digging for years that aren't of God. In this passage, we will see Jesus teaching about money and possessions. And like I mentioned before, I realize it's not comfortable. It's not a comfortable conversation to have, like, ever. I think it's safe to say no matter where you are on the wealth chart, you're going to feel some kind of level of unease. So let's take a collective breath. Trust me, it's going to be okay. Don't miss this opportunity because our typical response to discomfort is movement. And as Christians, we always want to be moving, right? So I want you to gently pat your neighbor on the back and say, it's going to be okay. And if it's not okay, after church we have chili. So we're going to be okay regardless. All right? All right, you can stop patting. So here's a little bit of background here. Uh, in the start of Luke 12, Jesus talks about a fearful heart. When we fear people or just live in fear in general, we start to hide things. And this leads to hypocrisy. And what's meant by that is, is we care about what other, th- other people think about us. We begin to hide what we think people don't like about us. And it's usually we assume, our faith. So we stop depending on the Holy Spirit, and this silences our witness and blocks us from a greater encounter of more of Jesus in our lives. See, Jesus encourages us not to have a fearful heart, and then later Jesus talks to us about a greedy heart. Imagine being so greedy that you would interrupt a sermon to ask for help to get more money. This is what happened here. This guy shouts out, imagine Pastor Candace is preaching a sermon and someone stands up and says, hey, help me figure out this problem I have with my brother and my inheritance. That would be pretty weird 
pretty disruptive, pretty bold. I know Candace, she is a lovely person and probably would help them. I would throw my Bible at them, um, but that's just me. But uh, can you imagine this? Like, the dude did not know how to read the room. And listen, we all need a certain amount of money to live, right? But money is not a guarantee of security. If anything, it creates a false confidence that leads to failure. And Jesus teaches us not to have a greedy heart. But finally, Jesus moves on to the passage we're going to be reading from today and shines the light on a trap that's so easy for us to fall into and yet we claim doesn't affect us at all, and that is a divided heart. And that's what I really want to address today. We all can have a divided heart. We all have treasures. Most of them can be good, but can we agree even good things can become idols? Let's read the Word of God. It starts in verse 22, Luke 12, 22, and it says this. Then turning to his disciples, Jesus said, That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food to eat or enough clothes to wear. For life is more than food, and your body is more than clothing. Look at the ravens. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for God feeds them. And you are far more valuable to him than any birds. Thank God. Can all of your worries add a single moment to your life? And if... Worry can't accomplish a little thing like that. What's the use of worrying over big things? Look at the lilies and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all of his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for flowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? And don't be concerned about what to eat or drink. Don't worry about such things. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers all over the world. But your father already knows your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else, and he will give you everything you need. So don't be afraid, little flock, for it gives your father great happiness to give you the kingdom. Whoo! Amen! Oh, man! I just love the Word of God. Isn't it amazing how much power and wisdom can be packed in just a few lines? This is why God is so great. And I have to be honest, this is not an easy passage to unpack in, unpack in one session. However, I do think it's easy to gloss over this message and miss the power it contains in its entirety. I once heard a youth pastor at a camp preach a gospel on this very, or sorry, preach a sermon on this very passage in the gospels. And it was called, um, it was called, Don't Be Anxious, End of Story. That was his sermon title. And he kept saying over and over, don't be anxious. Stop. Don't quit it. And he got, and we didn't move beyond that first part. He just kept going back to that. Don't be anxious. And I, I, I don't know about you, I, have you ever been in a place of pure anxiety and someone said to you, snap out of it, and you were like, yeah, that, that makes a lot of, you know what, I have never 
thought about that. I'm going to snap out of this anxiety right now. It doesn't usually work that way, right? I have never been in that situation. If you have been in that situation, likely that is a miracle from the Lord, and you are blessed. That's awesome, and that's not beyond God. But let me tell you, it doesn't usually work like that. But thankfully, Jesus doesn't stop with, don't be anxious. He lays out steps that we can take to have a less stressed life. And it starts with a radical thought. We need to adopt Christ's value system. What I mean by that is that we are followers of Christ. If we are followers of Christ, we need to obey his commands, right? Jesus gives a few commands in this passage, and he starts off by commanding us, don't worry about your life. That's... Point number one, don't worry about your life. Wait, it goes on. But I have to say that doesn't mean we drive, you know, or just go skydiving without a parachute and say, well, God told me not to worry about my life. That's foolish. He's not saying be reckless with your life, be reckless with your finances. Uh, let me just rabbit trail for a second. Um, my, my mom, I was just talking to my mom on the phone a, a couple days ago, and she said, and back in 88, there was a book that came out that said 88 Reasons, 1988, by the way. Um, uh, there's a book that came out that said 88 Reasons the Lord is Coming Back in 88. And there's all these people around my mom that were getting credit cards and running them up and saying, well, the Lord's coming back, so it's all right. We can be fiscally irresponsible. And they thought, well, the Lord's coming back. And we're in times now where a lot of people are talking like that. Oh, we're in end times, so why not just you know throw caution in the wind and get that Corvette? This is foolishness, all right? God wants us to be wise stewards of our finances. He does not want us to be reckless. So that's just my quick rabbit trail to that. He's not saying be reckless with your life. But as I mentioned earlier, Jesus doesn't just command us without giving a reason. We have faith, but it isn't blind faith. It's based on some facts. And the first fact here is, and don't miss this church, you are valuable to God. Don't worry about your life because you are valuable to God. Each one of you, valuable to God. I pray you already know this. I pray you know that God loves you. He sees you. He knows you. He knows what you're going through today. Let's just be an encouragement and a reminder to you this morning. But if you're here today and this is a profound new thought or you're just not feeling it at all, let me say it again. You are valuable to God. Allow that to sink in. I'm certain that all of us at some point in our lives and maybe even currently have been in a place where we say, yeah, right, not me. I'm too messed up. You don't know the things I've done. You don't know where I've come from. 
But Jesus tells us over and over and over in the word and in this passage that he takes care of the small things, the overlooked things. Uh, in verse 24, he says he'll take care of what was thought as, as unclean animals, birds, people, birds, okay? These are things that fly into windows and die, all right? God takes care of them. He takes care of the common things in verse 27. Weeds. God takes care of those things, but not you? Come on. He loves you and will take care of you. Don't believe the lies that the devil has told you. And this is straight from the mouth of Jesus. And Romans 8 tells us that nothing separates us from the love of Jesus. And these are factual truths aren't just relegated to these passages. The whole Bible is God's love story to us. The whole Bible is God's love story to each one of you in this room. If Jesus said it, we ought to believe it. And as simple as that is to say, it's far more difficult to live out, especially when we don't believe it to be true or don't think we have any kind of real value. See, what we're doing today right now in this moment is we are laying some groundwork here. And it's hard to find value in kingdom things when we can't find the value that Christ sees in us. Hmm. Now, I don't know if this is my ADHD or the Holy Spirit speaking right now. But there might be some, some people in this room that just aren't feeling it. Aren't feeling that God really loves them or values them. Can we just pause for a moment? Can I pray over you guys? Yeah. Hmm. Let's put our hands out and posture ourselves to receive from the Lord. I just want to pray over you because some of you might not be feeling that love that Christ has for each one of us. And I just want to pray over each one of you. Well, Father God, I thank you for Freedom Valley. I thank you for the people that are here today. And God, I just pray. And the people that are watching as well, Lord God, I just pray your special blessing over each and every one of them. God, I pray that they can feel an overflowing and overpouring of your Holy Spirit in their lives right now. Lord Jesus, I pray that they can feel the love and your peace that goes beyond understanding. I pray that they can feel it and experience it like they never have before. Show off your glory today. In your name we pray. Amen. Later on in the service, I'm going to be out in the lobby area. If you want prayer, I would be more than happy to pray with you about this. I really believe God wants you to know this message. If you get anything from today, you are valued and loved by the Lord. Believe it. I truly believe that the disconnect or the orphan spirit kind of thinking comes when we divide our hearts and find value in counterfeit gods. Like a true counterfeit tries to replace real money with something that's just a copy and has no value whatsoever, we replace God with things. We are clutching on nothingness. And it's a wonder, we, it's not a wonder that we can't find our own value. Our pursuits are misplaced and our values can rob us of this fundamental truth. If we don't make Christ our center and find the value that's already flowing, 
pouring from him for us, we will miss it because we become blocked by the pile of clothes, by the gadgets, by the careers, by the makeup, by the haircuts, by the cars, by the homes, by the relationships, by the idols that steal our outgoing value and in effect make us feel worthless. Or we'll compare our lack of those things to others and miss the mark as well because all of those things on their own can be good but they can also be where we find our value in nothing. Our hearts deify them as the center of our lives because we think they can give us significance, security, safety, and fulfillment if we attain them. And everything will fall into place in our lives if I just have, if I just have, if I just have more. And all the while, Jesus is telling us to find those qualities in him. If he was just more, if he was just more to us, our first goal needs to be that we learn to believe in our value to God. But that means you have to put Jesus over everything and give back to him. You guys still okay? Can I keep going? All right, good, good, good. Can I go out on a limb here and say that your life is too loud? Your life is too loud. Your schedule is too busy. That's how we forget that God is God and he provides for us. It takes very little to distract us, some more than others. Sorry, I got distracted. (laughs) Our time can be our misguided treasure too. Don't misunderstand me. Uh, We need to work. We need to have structure in our lives. But let's pause for a moment and reflect on how often God gets the back burner because things are just too darn hectic. And we see our true value when we realign what we value. Let me go on a rabbit trail for a moment here. Uh, I didn't plan on saying this, but I think that this is is pretty substantial, is that some of us are very caught up in uh, work or actions or or things, and, and we miss out on taking a true Sabbath. Now, I know you guys came here today, and maybe you came here because of the chili. Maybe you came here because you are fully devoted to a true Sabbath. But I think sometimes, in general, we just forget how to properly Sabbath, how to properly take time and allow God to refresh us. You can be as rested as you can be. in the. You can take 10 hours of sleep and be completely physical, physically rested and be completely completely depleted of all energy. And that's because we are not learning how to allow our souls to rest in the Lord. We can miss out that God wants to restore us, restore our souls. Uh, He says in Matthew that uh, his burden is light. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. But he doesn't stop there. He says, rest for the soul. We have to take a proper Sabbath. And when we do that, 
We are folk, it's forcing us to pause and go to God for renewal. It's making us humble and it's admitting we can't do this on our own. And that's just a rabbit trail because I don't know, I just felt like I should say that. Our God is a great God and he loves us. We are valuable to him. You are valuable to him. Amen. Have you ever wished for something as a kid, like a toy or a game, and thought that item was like the greatest thing? Um, I, when I was about 15 years old, this product came out. It was called the Virtual Boy by Nintendo. And this is ancient technology, okay? Some of you might know this. Some of you might not know this. It's this little, like, thing that stood on the tabletop, and you'd put your eyes in it, and it was all these red lines and just terrible, but they had really good marketing. So as 15 years old, I wanted that thing. But again, like I said, I have nine brothers and sisters, sorry, eight brothers and sisters. There's nine of us. We were not wealthy. We're actually on the poverty level. So there was no chance that I was getting that thing for Christmas. But I begged my parents, I begged my family members, if you guys could just pool your money together and get me this virtual boy, my life would be complete. Can you please just get this thing for me? I wanted it. And when Christmas came, I opened up my present and what I found was a hand game. Now this is something again in the 80s and 90s. It was just a little like ran on two AA batteries, and it was just, uh, uh, I got a game that was called Kick Up, and all you could do is just kick people the whole time, and so it was pretty cool, I, I liked it, and you just kicked people the whole time, and I got to the next level, and you kick people and kick people, and then it gets boring after a while, but I wanted a virtual boy. I thought my life would just be so much more complete. But let me tell you, I did not know that they had to pull that product from the market because it was causing people to run into walls, to have migraine headaches, to mess up all this stuff. It was a terrible, terrible, terrible product. I actually tried it in a store once a few years after the fact that I, I'd stopped asking for it. And I think about three minutes in, my head was pounding. This thing was like lasers. Just basically, just think of it this way. It was like a laser pointer straight into the eye. That's what it was. All right. And so that's what that's what I was going like. That's what I was asking for. I never received it. I never got to see how disappointed it was. And what I'm trying to say here is sometimes, not always, the desires of our hearts outside the kingdom of God, our hearts' expectations get so built up in our minds that they, we think that they'll change our lives when the reality is they're all wrong for us and will harm us. Furthermore, our perception of who God is can sometimes shape our response to his provision for us. See, I think sometimes we often assume that God is waiting for us to screw up, waiting to pull the rug of comfort out from underneath us and rub it in our faces so we can laugh and say, oh, ha, 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 see, you got too comfortable. Now I'm going to pull this out. And that's just not who God is. You think God is withholding because he doesn't want us to have nice things. And Jesus' next commands in this passage are, don't worry, don't be afraid, but if God is waiting to pounce on us like a hungry lion, how can we not be afraid? 
because that's not who we know him to be. That's not who the word of God says he is. We saw earlier that we are valuable to God. Here in verse 32, it says, it is your father's great pleasure to give you the kingdom. What? See, we don't worry. We're not afraid because it's God's pleasure to bless you, to give you the kingdom. That's such good news. The bad news is that we're so fixated on the problem of greed that we tend to see in those, well, that's the problem. Greed is the problem of those rich people over there. See, if we're, if we're feeling like we're, we've got a, a financial constraint, we think, well, I can't struggle with greed because I have nothing to be greedy about. We don't realize that anything can be an idol and take place of the kingdom in, take place of the kingdom in our divided hearts. And that's including our unwillingness to give. Our world is not neutral when it comes to the battle for our hearts. What I mean is, is there's no spiritual equivalent of Switzerland. We Christians are not the only missionaries out there. We are being evangelized to whether we realize it or not. We are wooed, we are courted, we are pursued, we are romanced. And we need to be on guard and not flattered by the attention or enticed by the lust of it all. I cannot marry into anything that is not the pure family of Jehovah. There are things to which I must always say no. There are alliances I cannot and must not make. There are paths I should not travel. Not to be legalistic, but because I am promised to the almighty God. Because I am his. Because I am in a, in a habitual pursuit of holiness. But I have to begin with a mindset that is wise enough to consult God before I marry any kind of plan or any kind of power. I need to live a mission-filled life impervious to the missionaries who pursue me. Are you following me, church? This is where it gets wild. The things, my home, my guitars, my toys, possess my heart. We should ask ourselves this. When crisis threatens me, when illness rears its ugly head, threats of war, threats of famine, threats of weather, financial fallout, when they come knocking at my door, do I think of things or do I stand firm in Christ? Now how about this? Because this is a little bit rougher. When that threat is removed, do I return back to my toys? Do I return back to my things and forget about the provision and loveliness of God? Our prayer has to be, God, I want to be remade. Heal me of the sickness of idolatry, pride, greed, and divided heart. This is the realignment and the focus 
in our approach to Jesus that I mentioned earlier. What idol is, is anything more important to you than God. Anything that absorbs your heart and imagination more than God. Anything you seek to give you what he can only give. And this is why getting your heart's deepest desire is often a disaster and leads to fear and anxiety. In the book of Romans, Paul wrote that one of the worst things that can happen to someone is that God gives them over to the desires of their hearts. This is Romans 1.24. Why would that greatest punishment imaginable to be to allow someone to achieve their fondest dream? Because our hearts fashion these desires into idols, and it leads to death. Every human must live for something. This is how we are built. And this is what we're reflecting on today. Where are the desires of your hearts leading you? Where are the desires of your hearts leading you? To fear? Are the desires of your heart leading you to anxiety? Are the desires of your heart leading you to generosity? Are the desires of your heart leading you to the hope we know that Jesus is? Again, all this doesn't mean that God doesn't want us to have good things or to give good things to us, but I think it's safe to say sometimes we blur the lines in this area. We have so much at stake here. And most of it isn't even physical. And back to the original thought, we think God is withholding the keys of the kingdom from us when in reality, we're rejecting them in pursuit of something better. And the better usually is greed. I can say that flippantly because it's true. It's true for me. It's true for you. It's true for all of us. Jesus warns us far more often about greed than about sex. Yet most of us think that we're not guilty of it at all. So we should begin, probably, if we're thinking logically, we should begin with a working hypothesis that this could easily be a problem for me. Greed could easily be a problem for me. If greed hides itself so deeply, no one should be confident that it's not a problem for them. This is why it's so important for us to fix our eyes on Jesus and his kingdom and find our value in him. If we don't, we don't have room for divided hearts, and that's why it aches so much when things draw us away from Christ. The further away from God we get, the more fear we get, the more anxiety we get, and they start to crop up more and more in our lives. Don't get me wrong here. I'm, I'm not saying you're terrible to want things. I'm not saying that at all. This is not meant to be a guilt trip. It's wanting things more than God that's in the balance here. Romans tells us if God gave his son, will he not give us all things? This Luke, and even in this Luke passage, we read that it's God's pleasure to give us the kingdom. We often refer to John 3, 16, God so loved the world that he gave, right? And from that remark, God, we know that God is a giving God. 
But we don't have to rely on John 3.16 alone to make that declaration. We see here that, and, and let's change our mindset to know the factual truth, that God is a giver. He's a rewarder. And the best thing he gives is himself. What's better than peace? What's better than love? What's better than the pureness of knowing you are in God's arms? See, he's beyond material wants and needs, and we can see more of Christ in our lives when we get the kingdom keys that change our mindset. We begin to shine God's glory in our lives because we are in full pursuit of him and his desires. And that pureness and goodness and righteousness and generosity are all the things that God is, and they begin to manifest themselves in and through us. Because we abide in his kingdom. What comes with kingdom? Well, provision. If you think about living in the castle, living under a kingship, there's provision. There's authority. In Matthew 6, 9 through 13, the Lord's Prayer teaches us to expect kingdom on earth. And digging deeper into that concept teaches us that we are fully focused on the kingdom of God. We are fully focused on God right? Things become trivial. He's no longer a genie God in our minds, granting our wishes and our desires because we trust in who he is and his provision for us. It's a trade-off. Our pretty little kingdoms, our petty, I should say, our petty little kingdoms for his glorious one. When we do this, we have full hearts, not divided. Where your treasures are, there your hearts will be also. Are you ready for this to get good? You still with me? These guys still love me? (laughs) All right. This is awesome. Jesus' next commandments are, sell all your possessions and give. Make purses for yourselves that do not wear out, an unfailing treasure in heaven. Okay, first off, this is not a shakedown, all right? (laughs) This is not a command to liquidate all personal possessions since we see elsewhere in the Bible that believers own property, but it's walking in obedience. It's walking in obedience. When I was younger, I used to think to be a good Christian, I would have to wear a burlap sack, eat, uh, something like this, locusts, right? That have to eat them like John the Baptist. But this only means that recognizing that everything we have, everything we have, everything we have is God's and should serve him and serve his people. Can we get to that mindset, church? We as believers are responsible for meeting the needs of others, especially in the church. And this is a mindset that comes with a call to action. When we begin to catch this concept, we can't help but respond from generous generous hearts, generosity flows. But we don't gain generous hearts by keeping our fists and our arms our fists clenched, and our arms crossed. We become more like Christ when we're giving people. And let me tell you this, don't miss this. 
Christ pours his blessings into pipes, not pots. Don't miss me. Don't mishear me today. It's not a give to get. It's a give to grow. Francis of Assisi says, remember, when you leave this earth, you can only take with you nothing you have received, only what you have given. A full heart enriched by honest service, love, sacrifice, courage, and faith. Whew. That is an encouraging and really tough word. Basically, if we surrender our lives, this means everything, including our finances. If we surrender our lives to Christ's authority, I say it to lead to this. I think Christians abuse the word submit over surrender. See, I I like submit because submitting is tough, but surrendering, forget about it. Surrender has a bad rap. Surrender sounds like losing, and nobody wants to lose. Nobody wants to be a loser. No wonder it's so hard for us to surrender to God. Our rationality tells us that surrendering to God may not work in our favor. Well, good! (laughs) Good! Our idea of favor usually is way off base. Right? But don't miss this. Surrendering our lives to Jesus is not an oath of perfection. It's not, a, or, uh, it's not giving up. It's a statement of allegiance. Outside of that is only one outcome, and it's a divided heart. And this is where we need to take a hard stance. It's not a wavering line when it comes to our faith and allegiance in Christ. What assurance does this give us? Well, this passage tells us that we will have eternal treasures. It's not enough that our generous God gives himself. We get a bonus. Jesus tells us to store up treasures for ourselves in heaven. Earlier in the passage, Jesus warns about storing up treasures for ourselves without being rich towards God. The result is death. The alternative is God, the eternal alternative that God offers to us is life. The matter is not whether or not we're storing up treasures for ourselves. Are we surrendering all to Jesus? Do you get this? It's surrendering all to Him who is vastly better than anything we could possibly imagine. Back in the day, we used to sing this hymn called, I Surrender All. Anybody remember singing that song? What a good hymn. We need to bring that back. Aaron, get working on that. It sums up all we've been talking about today. I'd like to read some lyrics to you. It says, all to Jesus I surrender. All to him I freely give. I will ever love and trust him in his presence daily live. All to Jesus I surrender. Humbly at his feet I bow. Worldly pleasures all forsaken. Take me, Jesus. Take me now. I surrender all. I surrender all. 
All to thee, my blessed Savior, Savior, I surrender all. All to Jesus, I surrender. Make me Savior, holy thine. Let me feel the Holy Spirit. Truly know that thou art mine. All to Jesus, I surrender. Lord, I give myself to thee. Fill me with thy love and power. Let thy blessings fall on me. All to Jesus, I surrender. Now I feel the sacred flame. Oh, the joy of full salvation. Glory, glory to his name. Well, church, are you ready to surrender? We serve a great God. We serve a loving God who values you. You are valuable to him. He knows you. He knows what you need and can be trusted to provide. He wants us to have full hearts and find our treasure in him. We can't lose when we surrender our lives to Jesus. Nothing can take us away from what we have stored up in heaven. Some of you might not even know that love of Christ today. Some of you might not know that Christ loves you. He sees you. He knows what you're going through. I want to give you an opportunity today to make a decision to follow Christ. I want you to give you I want to give you an opportunity to say a prayer and follow Christ and know that love and that true acceptance, that true uh, peace that goes beyond understanding. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you have never made that decision today, let's pray this together. Just repeat after me. And I'd ask the whole congregation to repeat after me uh, and just reaffirm our faith together. But let's repeat this. Father God, I thank you for your love. I believe you died on the cross and rose for me. Come into my life. Change me, mold me, realign my thinking. I am yours and you are mine. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, you made the best decision of your life if you made that decision today. But what I want to say as a final word is that maybe you feel like you've been digging treasure pits and coming up empty. I just want to say a special prayer for each and every one of you as well. Maybe you've been digging in the wrong place. God wants to redirect you. He wants to realign you. He wants to make you new. So let's pray that today. God, I just pray for every single one of the people in this room. Lord Jesus, you know our hearts. You know our desires. You know who each and every one of us are by name. You knew the hairs on our heads before we were even born, God. God, we thank you that you are a generous and loving God. And I just pray for each one in this room. Maybe people are struggling. Maybe they've been digging pits in the wrong place. God, help realign us. Help us to see you and know you and rely on you, holy God. Help us to be kingdom seekers. Help us to be kingdom treasure hunters. God, bless each and every one in this room. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen. I'm going to turn over to Pastor Candace. Thank you. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Jake. 
I love that he ended with surrender. Couldn't have been more perfect for where I wanted to go here today to, to end our service because last week I talked about starting a fast with you all, but I didn't call for specifics. Even Aaron after service was like, hey, what are, what are we doing? <laughs> you didn't say exactly what are we doing for this fast. So starting tomorrow, I'm going to be specific this time. I want to call for a three-week-long fast ending in the prayer and worship night that we are having the last Sunday of the month. And I, I just want to boldly ask you to, to do this with me. It doesn't have to be all food, you know, to pick something, pick um, a time and a place to pray, pick something to fast. Surrendering and fasting are so closely linked. There is something powerful when we are willing to give up something we enjoy there's something powerful in that that we are saying to God I am surrendering all of this to you I'm saying I feel like I need this but I'm going to choose to not need it in favor of your kingdom right so I'm, I'm gonna can I just have a show of hands who is willing to do that with me three weeks starting tomorrow fast something awesome so many of you thank you so much for doing that and I also want to call today for us to to give together intentionally one more time. So I hope you got your offering ready. If you give online again, just take a card. You can write down what you give. Not It doesn't even have to be a specific number. Remember last week, I just wrote 10% plus a Freedom Foundation gift. That's what my family gives in general every month. Um, and we just want to bless these together, right? We want to give intentionally. We want to really see it as an act of worship that we get to give. We get to participate in what God is doing. We get to live in his economy. And this is how we're showing him that we're doing that. Amen. So let's just hold those up. Ushers, go ahead and come. I know this is a little bit different, but go ahead and come. And as I'm praying, I want you to go ahead and, and pass those buckets. We're going to pray literally as we give together today. All right. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you that it's useful to teach us and correct us and guide us into all truth. Thank you that we get to literally place our money where our mouth is. That We get to show you that we are invested in your kingdom and not the world's. That we are, are bought into what you want to do on this earth and for eternity and not just living for me and the here and the now. So God, we dedicate these gifts to you. We ask that you would bless each and every household as they humble their hearts and they choose to trust you above all else, above their jobs, above their spouse, above that paycheck, above everything. We are choosing to trust you and you alone. We dedicate these gifts to you. And God, I ask for abundance in each and every family that is stepping out in faith right now, that's stretching their faith to be obedient and do what you're asking them to do. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give together. It's my hope that God will continue to change our hearts and minds during this series. Give us a heart for God's house like never before and, and the kingdom of God. That he would stir a passion for the gospel to be spread like never before. Remember, my prayer for this year has always been that, that God would stir up a passion in us, a boldness in us to preach the gospel like never before, right? To do that, we have to deepen our discipline, and that's the season that we're in right now. We are vibrant, passionate, and selfless. 
That's who we're called to be. It's Freedom Valley Disciples. We are vibrant, passionate, and selfless. We want to change the world with the message of the gospel. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, please let us know by going to fv.church slash in. And remember to download our app for more content and helpful links.